you ever wondered why we refer to the day Christ died as Good Friday? Seems somewhat strange, doesn't it? I mean, Friday is the day that he who was celebrated had become despised. He who was innocent was punished like the guilty. He who was the lion was slaughtered like a lamb. That doesn't seem good. And consider the Pharisees and their motives. For them, it was a premeditated murder, though it was actually a predestined sacrifice. They thought they were taking his life, though he was in fact surrendering it. Death was their goal, yet life was the outcome. Because God had other plans, he made one day affect all of eternity. He turned the wounds of one into healing for many. He transformed our worst acts of hate into the greatest expression of love. So that at the cross, we can hand over our sins in exchange for righteousness. We can lay down our burdens and pick up freedom. We can come broken, yet leave restored. The enemy thought it was going to be a bad day. We now call it good. And though we all thought it was the end, it was actually just the beginning. It seems God has a way of rescuing us from ourselves and flipping things around. Maybe that's why we call it Good Friday.
nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you had been at the cross on the day Christ was crucified, you would have sworn that was the worst thing that could ever happen. You probably would have been devastated. I mean, everything you had hoped for destroyed. And in that moment, like many personal tragedies, you feel like your grief will be forever. But now after a couple thousand of years of perspective, we see it differently, don't we? Now we see the cross as a source of hope, of life, of love. Because we are sinners and our sin separates us from God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And therefore the wages of sin is death. That's Romans 6.23. I want you to see a cultural shift that has happened in our history. In the first century, the early church, Christians saw themselves on trial before God. We were the ones that sinned against God. We have rejected God. We have built idols. We have disobeyed God. We have said no to God. We have engaged in immoral acts and behaviors and have twisted God's design. And we are guilty. And therefore, we must pay a penalty for our conviction of guilt. Justice is in our design. It's in our nature. And we all understand that if there's a crime against you, if there's a violation, there must be a punishment. And we have violated God. And we have committed crimes against God. And we deserve to be punished. Yet Jesus takes my place for my guilty verdict and the punishment due unto me. So instead of me suffering, Jesus suffers in my place. I was on trial, and I was guilty. 
And God purchased my life by dying on the cross. And he purchased me so that I would have eternal life, have a restored relationship with God and forever freedom in heaven. And so Christians saw themselves on trial before God. But in the past 100 years or so, uh, there's been a shift in our culture where before we saw ourselves on trial, now we see all the evil in the world, all the sin in the world, all the destruction and cruelty and racism and violence and all the immorality and brokenness in our world, and that's what we see. And so now it is no longer us on trial, but now God is on trial. And now we have come up with apologetics to defend God because he is on trial, not us. We say, God, if you're powerful enough and if you know everything, then why wouldn't you remove all the suffering and injustices in this world? If you're truly God, then how could you let your children be in pain? If you're truly a loving father, you would remove all of the evil in this world. And then we say, I cannot believe in a God that would allow this evil and suffering that is happening in this world. So instead of us being on trial before a holy God, he is on trial before a fallible, flawed, sinful people. How could God be on trial? I'm the guilty one. God's not guilty. The pure, spotless lamb is not guilty. If we were on trial, which we are, then the cross is the answer to rescue us and save our souls. But even if God is on trial, the cross is still the answer. How do I know God loves me? How do I know he feels my pain? How do I know I can trust God? How do I know that God is good? The cross answers those questions. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrow. He knows your burdens way beyond what you ever have gone through. You know he loves you. He gave his life for you so that you would know that you are loved. You can trust in someone who would die for you no matter what. And so for every question you might have, the cross answers it. Painter William Hunt has a painting called The Shadow of Death, on which he created um, in the 1800s. And it depicts Jesus as a carpenter before his ministry days. And it's a snapshot of him stretching his arms out. And on the back wall, you see his shadow. Along that back wall is a row of nails being stored for later use. It gives a foreshadowing of what is to come. You'll notice to the left of the painting was his mother Mary near a container of the gifts that Jesus received when he was born, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. One of these gifts would have been confusing. The myrrh would have been even insulting because myrrh is a substance to embalm dead people. It's like if you got for your birthday a gift certificate for a funeral casket. Um, thank you? Why would you be giving me this gift? It's so strange. Well, thanks for the gold. I mean, gold is amazing, right? It's like someone gave you $1,000 cash. And thanks for the frankincense, which was an incense used for worship. That's great. That's a thoughtful gift since we use it every week. And, you know, Costco runs out of it a lot. But myrrh... Myrrh is used to embalm dead people to take the stench and the grotesque smell away. And that's what they did at Jesus' burial. They would put myrrh on the linen that would bury the dead body. In John 19, Nicodemus brings 75 pounds of myrrh. It was like a prophetic gift. And that is why this child was born. This child was born to die. And so you see the symbolism in the painting. Jesus on the cross juxtaposed to gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That he would be our king, that he would be our priest, 
and that he would be our sacrificial lamb born to die. The English word myrrh in Hebrew is the word more. We would write it as M-O-R. And there's a famous mountain in the Middle East called Mount Moriah, the mountain of myrrh. And the Jews always associated myrrh and Moriah with sacrifice because of the story of Abraham almost sacrificing his son. And the mountain of myrrh happens to be the same mountain where Jesus was sacrificed on the cross. Scholars say Golgotha is located on Mount Moriah, the mountain of myrrh, the mountain of sacrifice. Myrrh was given at Jesus' birth and it was given at his death. And Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. Now, isn't that amazing? See, the cross was the, always the central goal and the purpose for Jesus. Anyone or anything that deterred him from it, he just totally dismissed. And after baptism, the beginning of his ministry, when he was tempted in the desert by Satan, Satan tried to distract him away from the cross. He says, I'll give you this kingdom. All of this can be yours. All you need to do is bow down and worship me. You don't have to suffer. Jesus rebuked Satan because he would not let anything stop him from going to the cross. Remember when Jesus tells his disciples about uh, his pending suffering and future death? Peter responds, no way, Lord, never. We would never let this happen to you. We'll protect you. We won't let you suffer. And then Jesus rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. It's like, whoa, calm down, Jesus. Peter has good intentions. But Jesus wouldn't let anything stop him from going to the cross. If you go back to Genesis 2, God told Adam that if he disobeyed him and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that he would surely die. And when Adam did that very thing, sin had caused a separation between him and God. And a physical death process began because sin brings death. And so Adam's shame caused him to attempt to hide from God. Remember that? But you cannot hide from a being that is everywhere, omnipresent, and from a being who knows every, all things. He's omniscient. And when Adam realized this and he was naked, he tried to cover himself with fig leaves. But fig leaves are not durable and so they're not suitable for clothing. And then in Genesis 3, it tells us the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. The clothing would cover the shame of their sin as revealed in their nakedness. See, because the word atonement means covering. And God killed an animal to use as its skin to make a covering, an atonement for Adam and Eve. Again, sin brings death. But in this case, it was a substitute death. The animal died instead of Adam and Eve and covered their sin. See, God longs to remove all uh, the records of shame and guilt and the bad and hurtful things that we've said and done. He longs to forgive you. It's a gift. It's a free gift. He says, I will forgive and remember your sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, is, is so far has God removed our sins from us. If you're in college and you get an F on your transcript, you could remove it by taking the class over. If you get a speeding ticket, you can get that re- record removed by taking traffic school. But to remove your permanent stain of sin, you need to believe that Jesus is God's son and the sacrificial offering that died in your place. And if you put your trust in him, God can remove that stain and set you free. In New Zealand, there are a lot of white sheep everywhere. And during the year um, lambing season, there's thousands of baby lambs that are born. And unfortunately, some lambs die at birth. And also many mother sheep die giving birth. And in an attempt to save the orphan lambs, the shepherd would match baby lambs who have lost their mothers with mother sheep who have lost their lambs. 
It's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, a mother sheep just won't accept a lamb and nurse it unless it is her own. So then how do shepherds get mother sheep to accept an orphan lamb as her own? The mother's own lamb, which has died, is skinned, and the skin of the dead lamb is draped over the living lamb, covering it. And it's placed by the adoptive mother's side. The mother sheep then just smells the skin and accepts the orphan lamb as her own. Jesus is called the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And so people in this context would understand what that imagery meant. And God did the same thing for us. God's Son, Jesus, died and His blood has now covered us as a penalty of sin. And now we can be adopted children of God. See, in our current history, we see all these hate crimes and violence and extreme injustices, people being wronged and going through horrific suffering. And we're going through a pandemic with tremendous stress and unprecedented levels of mental illness. But the cross reminds us that our Jesus went through extreme injustice for no apparent reason. I mean, this would have been the perspective that onlookers would have thought about the suffering of Christ. Or if, if they saw the video footage on social media or the news outlets, that's what they would have thought. As a pastor, I, I wish I knew the answers to why evil was done against you, or why you were violated, or why your loved ones w- were ripped away from you, or why you were rejected, or why your heart feels like someone has stepped on it, and why, why you have pain in your chest that seemingly cannot go away. But I don't know why. But I do know a Savior that has been just as abused, just as rejected, just as violated, suffered for no reason other than to hang in our place so that we won't go through it again for all of eternity. Oh, what a Savior our Jesus is. Can a brother get an amen? Because of Jesus' suffering, suffering is never the last word. We're promised that if we put our trust in Him, there will be a day where He will wipe away every tear from our eyes and there will be no more death, sadness, crying, or pain. That's in Revelation 21. And so I choose to believe in Jesus. I depend on the one who specializes in resurrections, a God who is able to bring hope to the hopeless, a father to the fatherless, a God who has proven that he is more powerful than the worst evil could do. Jesus came to pay a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. And yes, God has done everything possible for our salvation. He spared not even his own son for us. And Jesus said it on the cross that it is finished. And what that means is forgiveness is finished. Salvation is finished. You cannot do more. You cannot add to it. You can't do extra credit. You are forgiven if you put your trust in Jesus. You are saved if you put your trust in Jesus. You are free if you put your trust in Jesus. And that's why it's Good Friday. And that's why we have hope for all the struggles and all the suffering and all the pain that we're going through right now. And hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Never fail on my
was a Friday, early morning. While the sun was still sleeping, Jesus was cheated, arrested for no reason but treason in men's hearts. And just like that, it starts. It was an unjust Friday. Six trials, nothing sticking, priests punching, judges kicking, slinging lies at infinity, beating down on divinity who, by grace, did not speak, obedient, meek. It was a painful Friday. As daylight tumbled in, wits ripped the skin of the one who healed a thousand wounds. The one whose soul was right and true, left in shreds for something he did not do. It's an ugly Friday. The clawing crowd, when given a choice, let villain fly in single voice. But when Jesus' name was lifted high, could find no word but crucify, crucify. It was a bloody Friday filled with nails and wood and a man who would do what God only could, arms open wide, good enough to die for the very people who hung him out and bled him dry. It was a dark Friday, a shout to the sky, a spear in the side, two Marys start to cry as angry earth trembles and black clouds swell quietly. Jesus goes through hell, dying in our place, dying well, on Friday, Good Friday. How is it, a day of such evil and pain, ever got the word good in its name? This day of infamy, human villainy. When the world showed off its most evil face Because there, in that blood-stained place When they pulled the body down Like seed to ground The author of life sprouted roots of grace That would once and for all save the human race This victory death A complete surprise As demons and devils with fear in their eyes Realized that once a perfect man died The law was finally satisfied No more strife no more trying, no more guilt, no more dying. The man who lived the way we should died the way only God could. And that's why we call this Friday good. The day Christ fell is the day mercy stood. So hold your faith, lift your praise, and remember, as good as Friday is, Easter is still on the way. Hope rising forever in three more days three more days